you're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 549, Ted Lasso Series Finale. Chillians, welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joins with Eddie. Eddie, I don't hear any uh, loud ruckus, any noise going on, no parties? No, yeah, last night the person above us decided to have a pretty noisy dinner party, which delayed our recording because based on just old Paris buildings, no matter, you know, you can't soundproof a room well enough to possibly keep that noise out. But it's also just... The guy is, I mean, he's probably 26, 27 years old, and he's really into, like, electro music. Oh, nice. Did you go up and join him? No, but I, I mean, I previously, in, in a real old man move, and I think I've mentioned it to you before, I had to go once at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and ask him to turn his music down <laughs> because I was having work calls, and he was just blasting music. And I actually felt less embarrassed doing that in a sense than I would have done doing it last night because that feels far more, I have a justifiable reason. Look, it's mid, it's midway through the afternoon. I'm on calls and people are like, this is impacting my work versus, hey, it's 1130 at night and I'd like to get some sleep. Do you think you could turn it down? To me, it's, <laughs> e- it's actually was easier for me doing it at four in the afternoon. Yeah, probably. Did How you are shut you this doing? party down? No, no, let it go. Let it run. How are you doing since we last spoke? It's been a little bit of time because you continued your jet set lifestyle and you oh, know, yeah. flew off to Hawaii for a few days. Oh, the beautiful, beautiful state of Hawaii. I almost didn't come back, Eddie. I was so close. <laughs> I know. I'm, I fully, ex- I mean, we just, you know, I, 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 I'm unhappy for myself with myself for ruining it off podcast, but it's the 10 year anniversary of you getting your PhD. And if, you know, Frank from 10 years ago could look back on some of the ways in which his life has gone, the bold <laughs> predictions that he would have made for there's absolutely no way these certain things would have happened. It would be, Oh, you know, it, so, it, it kind of mirrors my uh, my sports gambling life. Just a <laughs> lot of losses. <laughs> so moving to Hawaii would just complete the set. That would just be the ultimate didn't see it coming from Frank. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, it would be it would be tough for the podcast. Actually, would it be better? Oh, the recording times would be crazy. Dif- would be, be difficult. Three more hours behind from where I am. It would just Pacific be time. You recording first thing in the morning and me recording at the end of the day. Yeah, it was quite weird watching uh, uh, the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs starting at one and two in the afternoon, just like straight in the middle of the day. I'm always torn over this because, you know, you kind of, I obviously watch, and as do you, a lot of sports in different time zones. So you become a little bit accustomed to watching certain things at weird times. Yeah. And I then often think to myself, what would be my ideal place to live to cover the various sports that I want to watch? You know me, my 
ideal spot is Barbados because I think that <laughs> strikes the balance between Europe and North America and just makes everything very watchable. But there is something nice to it's like when the World Cup is on, but it's being hosted in a weird country, you know, yeah. it's weird, but often Asia or something and you have or the Olympics or whatever it is. And you do have like, oh, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and something cool is happening. It's kind of nice. Yeah, I, I love the Pacific time, at least for American sports. I love it. I, I It is so enjoyable to have Sunday and Monday night football start at 5 p.m. It's amazing. The only downside of that is if you are into European sports, it can be a little early sometimes. We ju- we are just discussing off podcast. The FA Cup is this Saturday, and that's going to be a 7 a.m. kickoff for me, which is fine. That's doable. Like I don't have an issue waking up at 7, but there are matches that then are usually starting at like 4 or 5 in the morning, and that's that's not too feasible on a Saturday to be getting up at you know 4.30 to watch a, a football match. But And horse racing is obviously not super uh, time the times don't match up very well for me as well. And that's also, we talked about the Derby is going to be a little too early for me, maybe to watch. <laughs> yeah. Hawaii would make that almost impossible for some yeah, but Listen, bro, I'll be living on the beach. <laughs> Aloha. Enjoying life. Hang in Surf's 10. Up, hang 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think you should do it. Just live in, <laughs> live in a Hawaiian shirt every day. Just go full, I do love Hawaiian shirts, but... We'll go full mainlander who's moved to Hawaii, just really embracing stereotypical sort of expat Hawaii life. I had an Uber incident for you, Eddie. I thought you might enjoy while I was in Hawaii. So do you want to hear the story? Yeah, yeah, would go, you, I mean, go hey, ahead. Hey, would you like to know more? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Starship Troopers? <laughs> no, thanks. Let's move on to the next topic. So I did a hike... And it was about like four miles from the hotel. So I had an Uber to the to the trailhead. And I got there, I don't know, like 8, 30, 9 in the morning. Did my hike. It was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be and actually a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And my plan had actually been to, once the hike was over, the trailhead was like at the top of a hill. So that's why I didn't want to walk it in the morning because it would have been like going up a hill for three miles. So I was like, when I'm done with the hike, I'll just walk down the hill down to like one of the main roads and then just hop on a bus and take the bus back to my hotel. Wouldn't have been too bad. But I got done with the hike and I underestimated the amount of hungover I was and (laughs) that I didn't bring enough water. And I was cramping with like a half mile to go and (laughs) was questioning whether I was even going to make it back to the trailhead. (laughs) But I had to take about a good 15 minute break to let my legs recover. And then finally, like I did the last half mile and made it. And I kind of said like, there's no way I'm going to be able to walk for another two miles down this hill. So I was like, I'll call the Uber. But hiking in Hawaii is like hiking in the rainforest. And it was, I was from knees down, I had pants on, but covered in mud, just mud on my pants, dried up, but mud shoes, the outsides were all covered in mud, but the bottom part I had like kind of cleaned off on the grass and the concrete. So the Uber driver comes, he takes one look at me and he goes, is that mud? And I go, yeah, it's, it's dried up. It, it's like, he's like, you're not getting in my car with mud. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, there's no option on the Uber to say, are you covered in mud or not? Like, what, 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 what do you want me to do? He's like, yeah, you can't come in this car. He's like, I just got this car cleaned. 
I was like, well, I have no other way to get back and you're here. So like, and the door's open. So unless you're going to drive off, I'm getting in this car. So I got in the car and I had to like sit at the very edge of the seat, uh, the back seat, and then like hold on to the front seat so that my legs never touched any part of his car for four miles. And this guy proceeded to like Tokyo drift style down this hill just like testing my limits of how strong I could hold on to this chair without having my legs fall about. I thought for a second I was going to rip the the chair head cushion off because he was going so fast. But eventually I made it and didn't put like an ounce of dirt. And as soon as I got out, he like turned around and like looked all over. But the joke, Eddie, is on him because I had an enormous amount of swamp ass that will permeate in his backseat for life. <laughs> you know, you don't look good out of any part of this story. <laughs> because initially I'm I'm with the Uber driver. If I'm if that's my car, I don't want you in there covered in mud. So I But I wasn't say, covered in mud. Like it was just on my pants. It wasn't like mud was dripping from me. But even it wasn't dry like a mud, wet dog. But dry mud flakes off and yeah, it's a little bit easier to deal with because you can probably just vacuum it up or whatever. But still, you know, I, I'm assuming you weren't his last ride of the day. So then he's going to have to get other people in there. So I'm kind of on his side throughout this story, apart from the reckless driving, if he then doesn't, unless you assume he wanted you to then get mud somewhere so that he can hit you so, with some yeah, cleaning I, fee. I was waiting for that. And that was like, I tried so hard to n- make sure I didn't get anything because I wanted this guy to try and attempt to give me the cleaning fee. But he did not. He actually turned out to be a pretty nice guy. We had a great conversation about how the economy in Hawaii is crippling. <laughs> wow, must have been uplifting. <laughs> Super uplifting. Yeah. But Hawaii is okay. Well, I, I can't say I was in Honolulu and Waikiki particularly, which is super, super touristy. Like walking down the streets, I was trying to find restaurants and I walked by a cheesecake factory and saw a father come out and go, yeah, the wait they said it's going to be like uh, like an hour and a half, two hours. So not bad. I say we just, uh, you know, wait and go here. <laughs> I wanted to be like, dude, you're in Hawaii. This is the fucking cheesecake factory. What are you doing? <laughs> well, maybe he's a local. Maybe that is the destination that was not, to go to. He was not to. a local. <laughs> But now, yeah, I mean, that's insane. I, I wouldn't wait that long for anywhere. There's there's no restaurant on earth where if you told me there's a two-hour wait, I'm yeah. hanging around. I'm not one of those people. But have you seen the size of the Cheesecake Factory menu, Eddie? I've never been to a Cheesecake Factory, so... They're maybe notorious I would for having like a 30-page menu. Maybe for the Cheesecake Factory, I would wait in line, having never <laughs> been there. It's not the donut cake factory, though, so probably not. (laughs) Well, where do we begin? We've with a week of sport to kind of catch up on, a number of events to go over, I suppose. Well, we can we can fly through a few. Stanley Cup Finals start today. NBA Finals start tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, good. Those those matchups. Those (laughs) matchups are set. Yeah, so I guess the only interesting thing is um, the Celtics were down 3-0, made it all the way back to Game 7, and tried to break the curse of the NBA teams going down 0-3, being 0 for 149, 
Is but that a curse? Instead, they just rounded it, it off. Is it a curse if you just fall massively behind? Oh no, we've been struck with the curse of losing the first three games. Uh, yeah, no, and I'm surprised. Once they got, I mean, honestly, once they got back to three two, I thought they were going to win the series. Yeah, and certainly once it went to game seven at home, I didn't see how the Heat were going to possibly win, and for them to for the Celtics to just completely capitulate in game seven and never really have it be a contest is, you know, was, was really, really surprising. Yeah. But, you I, know, I, mean, I think, I'm, you know, Jason Tatum went down early in that game with an ankle injury and he was averaging, I think over 30 in their three wins leading up to game seven. And then I think ended up with, I want to say like 15 points in game seven. So that probably contributed, but they never really seemed in it in, in much of that game. Look, if anything, you know my theory that I believe that I could become the head coach for pretty much most professional sports teams out there and you wouldn't notice a tremendous difference. Joe Medzula, or however you say his last name, he is walking proof of the fact that I think I could step into an NBA locker room and be okay, assuming that the talent of the players you know, at my disposal was high enough. He just seems like a corpse on the sideline and just has a thousand yard stare and just seems to be one of those people who's decided that looking intense should sort of transfer into actual intensity, which it doesn't. And then his stupid answers in press conferences. I was out on him <laughs> from day one and it's not because I'm some royalist, but whenever he was asked about when uh, the, uh, was it the prince and princess of, of Wales were in attendance for a Celtics game? And he said, I only know one royal family, uh, you know, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus or something like that. He said in return, how you can say something like that, that with a straight face is just unbelievable to me. But yeah, I, I hope that we don't have to deal with him in the NBA next season, certainly in a head coaching capacity. I thought, I thought actually you were going to go with uh, the heat coach. Coach Spo, as they call him, because no, because he's know, he, he started out as the video coordinator with the Heat in 1995, yes. and then slowly worked his way up the organization. Two stories that I've had enough of over the past <laughs> week or two. There's two. I don't want to discuss them at all. Eric Spolstra starting as a video editor for the Heat, which. He's been the head coach of the Heat for several years now, has won multiple NBA titles. This gets brought up every single time the Heat have any kind of run in the playoffs, so it really doesn't need to be brought up every year. I've had enough of that one, and the other one I've had enough of on the back of their promotion to the Premier League is Luton and photographs or videos of their home ground. Oh, my God. Can you believe that this is going to be a Premier League home ground next season? I got it. We all had that drilled into our heads now over the past few months. We don't need anyone. If you're a YouTuber out there looking for content where you can do the weird talking over a series, like a montage, I don't know how I was going to say that word, montage of, uh, you know, video of clips and images, leave the Luton home ground one out. We've we've seen it. At this point, I've seen the videos and pictures enough that I think if you just dropped me off in Luton, 
I could get to the away stands oh, yes. just from memory of the videos and the landmarks within those videos. <laughs> it's, it's so, like, it's, again, I get it because it is interesting, but then people just have to beat you over the head with it. And every channel, it's just the lack of originality. And hey, we've kind of followed the trend, I suppose, by commenting on it, by being critical of the lack of originality. But anyway, two topics we do not need to discuss. So on to the next, what do we catch up on? How about Borussia Dortmund falling at the final hurdle in their attempts to win the Bundesliga, going into the final match of the season, only needing with everything in their own hands. Had they won, they would have been Bundesliga champions. Had they at least matched Bayern Munich's result, then they would have been Bundesliga champions. As it turned out, they fell behind 2-0 early. They missed a penalty when it was only 1-0. And then they equalized with virtually the last kick of the game with not enough time to find a winner. And Bayern Munich won 2-1 with a fairly late winner in their match. And Bayern Munich, 11-time Bundesliga champions, even though it looked highly unlikely going into the final match of the season. Yeah, I can bring it full circle now here because the only reason I was able to watch both of these matches was because I was in my taxi ride to the airport at 4.30 in the morning and uh, had a 30-minute drive to the airport and said, wow, what a great time to catch the, le- the second half of both of these matches. And I have to say, I started out with um, Dortmund and then went to Bayern Munich when it was, what, 1-1, right? Because they were down 1-0. And then no, they, Bayern Munich were winning. Oh, they then, were winning, and then and then they and then it went then one it went one. one. Then it yeah, went one, right, one with sort of like fifteen minutes or so to go. Yeah, so maybe, I went back to 10. that to see if they could score, and then they did, and then I went back to Dortmund to see if they could pull off a miracle. And I think we joked about it, you know, in our chat. What what is that locker room like? After? Like I can't even imagine because. The crazy thing about football is it so rarely comes down to a like final match like that. You know, it's not like the World Cup in in the in the domestic leagues where there's the final, there's the championship. Yes, there's the FA Cup and all that, but like in terms of winning winning your league, it rarely comes down to that winner take all match. And to have that match and to have everything play in place and to think like finally luck is on our side like we're going to take down this team that can never be taken down and to just lose it like that. Oh, I don't know if I'd even walk in the locker room. Like that's, if you one of those <laughs> things where you kind of just like stand outside the locker room because you don't even want to go in because you're just so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, it went terribly for them. And I mean, there were some bad, you know, Jude Bellingham was out injured. That was, that was a warning sign. They had a number of other players who were carrying knocks and it's just surprising because they had been in such good form in the run-up to it. I saw no way that they weren't going to win. I Even when they went 2-0 down, I thought, okay, Dortmund score a lot of goals. So they will, you know, they'll get this to 2-1 maybe just before, just after halftime. They'll give themselves plenty of time. And as long as this is 2-all with, say, 10 minutes to go, they'll find a way to score. They absolutely dominated the game aside from that sort of opening 20 or so minutes they should have had a second penalty when it was still one nil and i think they suffered from that the issue of you can't be given 
multiple penalties in quick succession almost. So the fact that they were awarded one penalty and then missed it and then should have had a penalty, another penalty almost right after. Had they not had the initial penalty, the second penalty is almost certainly given. But yeah, it's got to be for all of those players, you have to know that that was your one opportunity. And I will say, you know, I like to give Twitter updates on Twitter scandals. This one has nothing to do with our account. However, the the Twitter account Troll Football, which has 3 million followers, came up with, as far as sports are concerned, one of the most disgusting tweets I've oh ever boy. seen. So Sebastian Haller, the Dortmund forward who missed the penalty uh, when it was one when they were one nil down and missed a number of other chances as well. They posted a picture of him sort of head in hands at the end of the match. He uh, had cancer not that long ago and had to go through uh, chemotherapy oh, treatment. I have a feeling I might know where this is going. So he had testicular cancer. He had to go through treatment and then came back to play this season. And the picture has him looking dejected. And it said in the tweet, this is verbatim, said, when you beat cancer, but you couldn't beat Bayern. And I just don't know who writes that because it's not even funny. I mean, you know, look, like they got the number one sports podcast in America to talk about it. You know, we're debating it now. Did they, oh, did they do what they set saying. out to do? Yes, it's true. They're getting, getting, yeah, exactly. The controversy is bringing comments. But yeah, I just don't know who writes that. Because again, I'm all for the occasional controversial comment. But you've got to, got to be amusing or insightful in some way. And that's just, you know, that's just... And ultimately, too, they didn't, they didn't fail to beat Bayern. It's not even really correct. On the day, that wasn't their issue. It was, they weren't going head-to-head -head with Bayern in, in the final match day of the season. But yeah, it was... And, you know, we've spoken in the build-up to this match about how what a dream send-off this was going to be for Jude Bellingham. And in the end, it's a little bit of a nightmare because he didn't make it onto the pitch. He doesn't get to try and help his team win the Bundesliga title. And now we presume that will be his last sort of involvement with Borussia Dortmund in any way. Right. What next um, during this speed run through sports from the last few days? I've got another one. How about Michael Block, who we gave a lot of credit to over uh, on the back of his performance? Oh, no. What P happened? Oh, no. What did the, he do? At the PGA Championship. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> he was on a podcast uh, a week ago, and he said he basically came out and said that if he had Rory McIlroy's length, that he would be one of the greatest golfers in the world that if he could hit the extra sort of 30 or so yards. Oh, off the that team, length. Okay. Yeah. No, not, not penis size. This was <laughs> <laughs> he, that if he had that extra sort of 30 or so yards, then he would definitely be one of the best golfers in the world. It's a bold claim. It kind of makes a little bit of sense. I think the issue I take with it is that he referred to it as himself. And I think the stronger comment would have been, look, there's a lot of players in the world who if you could add 30 yards onto their game, they would be up there with the very best. I think that would have been, and I put myself in that category, I think that would have been a little bit, come across a little bit better than just saying, well, if I could hit the ball as far as Rory McIlroy, I'd be probably the best player ever. And it wasn't then helped by him going out and having a fairly disastrous uh, outing at the Wells Fargo. 
Well, I mean, maybe he's not wrong because <laughs> he seems to be pretty uh, inventive when it came to his short game. He had a lot of saves and a lot of up and downs. So maybe if you get there closer, he wouldn't need to do that so often. No, you're right. And there are a lot of people who were doing exactly what you're saying. And they went and got his statistical performance from his four rounds at the PGA and said, look, he's not wrong. He was like top four in every category relating to his short game over those four days. Yeah, that's a four-day sample size. Rory McIlroy could pick a lot of tournaments out where he was in the top four in every statistical category, but he doesn't get to do that. He has a huge body of work, and we get to critique him based on years of performances. And Michael Block just, again, it's just a shame because, and I'm sure he's a really nice guy, and he probably didn't mean for this to be interpreted in the way that it was, but you do wish someone had sat down with him. If you take, for example... You know, we always tell our guests, hey, we want you to speak openly. But if you say something and you want it it edited out after we talk, then, you know, we can do that before it's published. I think even I would have said to Michael Block, if he'd said that on our podcast, you sure you want that to be part of your kind of, you're only getting introduced to the world at this moment in time. No one knew who you were two weeks ago. And you want this to be one of the kind of top search results. Michael Block claims he could be greatest golfer of all time. You know, that it's just not a great look. So I got a quick story. We can we can do a little quick one. Um, so I saw a story from the two-time Grand Slam champion, uh, Garbin Murugutha. Am I saying that right, Eddie? Murugutha? Murugutha, yeah. Okay. Uh, female, te- female tennis player for those yes. who are unfamiliar with her. Uh, She just got engaged. And this, I think, is a bad story for athletes out there. She got, do you want to take a guess to who she got engaged to, Eddie? How they met. Do you want to give me the the meet cute story? (laughs) I mean, I have literally no idea. So I don't know. I would guess it's either someone in her training camp, like a masseuse or a... you know, a physio or someone, because tennis players tend to develop like close relationships with people in those positions. It's worse than that. So this is a cautionary tale for athletes, I think. (laughs) She met, she met her, her fiance or future husband in New York City during the 2021 US Open, when she went out to take a walk in the park across from her hotel. And he approached her and asked for a selfie because he had recognized her and took a selfie with her, and then they communicated afterwards and kept in contact, and then eventually got engaged. So I guess for fans out there, never stop taking your shot, because you might get it. And for athletes, don't ever take selfies, because a lot of them could be people looking to take their shot. <laughs> so it's, yeah, that's definitely wasn't an unplanned, because I'll also say, while she is one of the more famous female tennis players i wouldn't say you don't especially in a place like new york i think you'd have to be a pretty hardcore fan to be picking her out when she's wandering or just walking out of a hotel in presumably non-tennis gear but i will say having looked at pictures of him he's a handsome guy so that's what she said she said (laughs) (laughs) he said they took a picture and he turned and said well he said good luck at the u.s open and i was left thinking wow He's so handsome. (laughs) And ultimately, right, 
and this is this isn't me trying to you know these are these can be delicate ground on which to tread but it is it's the it's where you cannot learn any lessons from these scenarios because what it boils down to is if you are very handsome that's a charming way to meet someone and if you're not handsome then you're just a weird stalker and the only thing that's the, yep. the, the only thing that separates those two categories is how good looking are you nothing else because otherwise probably 24 hours later another fan did exactly the same thing and found themselves getting arrested in new york speaking of tennis i did make it to roland garros a couple of days ago for the opening day on sunday i saw a few good matches i took friend of the podcast vasilis uh to watch so we we were on center court we had some pretty good seats i will say which was nice it was boiling hot which was also last year when i went it was raining so it was nice to have an an undisturbed day of tennis we got to see i guess we got to see the the big controversy of the opening day which was sabalenka who uh, her opponent her opponent a ukrainian player refused to shake her hand uh, she's bella she's belarusian and refused to shake her hand at the end of the match and boos rang out i have to admit i had no idea what was going on i had taken my eyes off of the sort of handshake moment and so people just started booing and i assumed i have to admit that they were booing sabalenka because she's belarusian so it's what makes this whole topic kind of difficult to follow because i was like oh i guess they don't like sabalenka because of the war and then it turned out they were actually booing her ukrainian opponent for not shaking her hand it's one i'm torn on i was talking to it about a few with a few people there and then a few, few people afterwards who went well you have to show good sportsmanship it's very easy to say when your country isn't being bombed. I think I don't know necessarily how many, you know, I think, uh, I know, I'm sure she doesn't think Sabalenka is behind the war, but I can understand having some degree of resentment. So I think it's easier said than done at times. And then we saw Tsitsipas, which was the, was the real match of interest because we were there with, I was there with Vasilis, who's met Tsitsipas at, on multiple occasions. Um, we we were we were sat not far from the players box, and as Sitsipas came on to warm up, and his team went into his box, his dad, his brother, a host of other people, uh, I told him Vasilis just walked up to shake his dad's hand. I was surprised no security stopped him. Not a pretty lax security at Roland Garros, I've got to say, because whilst we were in good seats, I'm still surprised we were. He was able to just casually stroll up to the players box, had a quick chat with. Uh, Sitsipas's dad and Sitsipas's brother and then came back and then we proceeded to watch I think one of the bigger head cases in world tennis wow I was, I was very happy to be sat next to a native Greek Greek speaker because we could then hear what his dad was saying very clearly throughout the match in terms of the advice he was providing to Sitsipas and uh, with Vasilis translating for me any, <laughs> I love, just love it. I just a, love seeing Vasilis be like a translator. A, assuming these translations are correct, which I have no <laughs> reason to think that they're not. Uh, Sitsipat's definitely breaking some AT, ATP rules with the detail with which his dad provides coaching, which is, I'm not breaking any news there. He is regularly accused of, with his dad, of talking too much and providing too much advice. Uh, and they do a good job because Sitsipat doesn't make eye contact 
but we'll be looking at the ground and his dad will just be shouting things out and Sitsipas will appear to just be kind of yelling at himself, but he's actually responding to his dad. And if you don't speak Greek, you have no idea what's going on. But it was. And then as an update on Vasilis, he then became incredibly patriotic. And because we were sat just by the player's box, every time Sitsipas won an important point, <laughs> Vasilis stood up and gave a big either thumbs up or a big fist pump and you would have thought that we were part of that player's box and you know he was making <laughs> eye contact with us oh that is so good i love it did he get did he get the racket from him after did he get a no, signed so, wristband so at the end he kind of chickened out because now the downside of being set where we are is you're elevated so you have no ability to actually interact with the player like there's no way to kind of go and try and ask for something at the end or or say something to Sitsipas himself. And I, as the match was wrapping up, I was like, oh, you should go. He, he said, he actually asked me, do you think I should go and congratulate his dad? I went, yeah, go for it. Go quickly and do that and just see. You never know. Maybe he says, oh, and... What? Would you like to sleep with my son? <laughs> like, what is he going to say to him? <laughs> I don't know. He was maybe going to, you know, tell us... Because the real thing I wanted out of it was, you know, more tickets. But uh, by the time Vasilis had kind of worked up the courage, his his dad had had left. So we were just there. And Vasilis continues to disappoint me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also, I will advise any listener who maybe on the off chance has the the possibility of going to a tennis match with Vasilis. I would advise against it because... (laughs) Wait, 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 stop. It's a very small window of people. It's likely well, just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you. I advise Frank. I advise you not to go to a tennis match. You know, tennis match is a big thing to be silent during play. And you can get away with some murmuring and the odd quiet comment. But if Vasilis is his phone rings, he's picking it up and he doesn't care <laughs> when it is. And there were moments, there were break points when he was just... Picking it up and, and in Greek. loudly loudly going into Greek. And I'll be honest with you, I think the only thing that saved us from probably being kicked out is the fact that he was speaking in Greek. Because I think some people around us, especially after he had already walked to speak to the Sitsipas camp, presumed that we were somehow associated <laughs> with Sitsipas himself and so that we couldn't get quite the same Backline. Maybe that's why Sitsipas was such a head case, because he's like, who is this Greek asshole <laughs> answering his phone, talking about servings and reservations? <laughs> yeah, probably thinks it's his dad. Why Why is my dad making a dinner reservation right now? <laughs> yeah, what does he mean was, he doesn't want steak? <laughs> what is he talking it was, about? <laughs> it was uncomfortable at times. It probably happened four times, and it was uh, every time. It be it was just as uncomfortable as uncomfortable as the time before. I thought you were gonna say he was just annoying you constantly, and I was actually gonna recommend why don't you just give him like a iPad or an iPhone with head with headphones on and like a little child. <laughs> but it no, seems like was, that was the problem. No, he was pretty focused actually, and he didn't talk that much. So that was the interesting thing. He didn't talk to me during points. I mean, we had our obviously midpoint or whatever at conversations, but but yeah, aside from the updates. Aside from him translating on what was going on between Sitsipas and his camp, he was he was pretty uh, pretty quiet. All right, what do we have next then? All right, I'll give you grab bag. Would you rather talk about Al Pacino 
Pat McAfee or Harry Kane? Let's start Al Pacino. Probably be the quickest, I presume. Okay. Al Pacino, expecting a new child. Do you want us to guess how old Al Pacino is? Um, I think he's like 79. 83. Okay. About to have a kid. You want to take a guess how old his girlfriend is that's having the child? Well, 25. 29. <laughs> okay. Sounds he has children right. older than her. This explains a lot because one of our mutual friends, Olivier, who loves tracking the American Express events that they provide, these kind of weird access to things you probably would never really want to go to. One of the recent ones, which he kept jokingly telling me that we should go to, was a Q&A with Al Pacino in Paris. And so tickets to the, let's we'll play a reverse game. How much do you think a ticket to this two hour long Q&A at a, it's a sort of at a theater uh, would be with Al Pacino. A theater, so it's about like ten thousand people. No, 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 no. It's probably two thousand seats, I would guess. Five hundred bucks. So just for the ticket? Okay, you're going way too high. <laughs> this is when these kind of games don't work. So a ticket alone, I believe, was ninety euros, and then the Q and A. So then the the VIP access, which basically meant you had a chance to shake his hand, have a picture taken, and probably say, hey, Al Pacino, I really like your movies. That was 750 euros. Wow. I don't know who's paying for that. I don't know how much you have to like Al Pacino before that becomes either how much money you have to have, where that found yeah. you kind of doing it almost as a joke, or how much of a diehard Al Pacino fan you have to be where that feels like an opportunity that you can't miss it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he. what's funny is he has a quote um, saying that he's, well, he's maintained a close connection with his kids, apparently. He has, uh, I think, three children, uh, noting that he wanted to be different from his father, who left him and his mother when he was quite young. And he said, I consciously knew that I didn't want to be like my dad. I wanted to be there. I have three children. I'm responsible for them. I'm a part of their life. But I guess that, you know, that was 2014 he said that. So I guess dementia might be hitting in because I don't know who realistically thinks when they're 83 years old, they're going to have a child and then be able to be there with them for a significant period of time. Oh, I mean, what's dark? <laughs> I, but no, it's, it's realistic. I mean, what's, what's your outlook? Let's say you think you live to 100. Yeah. That means you're barely making their 17th birthday. Wow, this is <laughs> this feels like an unnecessary dig to be taking an Al Pacino and his family <laughs> set up. And I'm actually, sure. I think De Niro has is just had a kid too, and he's, I think, what yeah. like high 70s as well. It's crazy to me. I can imagine the interest. I would just think you're at that age. You would presume have enough money to do whatever you want to do. So you could just be, that would be the other reason I wouldn't want to have a kid is you just feel like that. Do you think that is, kid's really affecting his day-to-day -day lifestyle? It has to be at least to some degree, no. even if it doesn't mean he's taking care of them or something. But, you know, you, you, unless you're completely uninvolved, which then goes totally against uh, what, what that says. statement. <laughs> yeah then yeah, it has to be a little bit in terms of when and where you can travel to or even just with your wife, whether or not she can travel there as well. 
you know, it's it's got to be having girlfriend, girlfriend. It's got to be having some impact. Girlfriend who pre- previously dated Mick Jagger and Clint Eastwood. So she has a type. <laughs> yeah, money. old, old, old rich guys. <laughs> yeah, old rich famous guys. Should be worth saying. Little uh, big chill live update. So the yeah Europa League final is going on while we're recording this. It has gone to a penalty shootout. Sevilla have scored their first three penalties. Roma have missed two of their first three. So it looks as if Sevilla will be continuing their run of second secondary European competition dominance. They will now be seven and zero in Europa Cup finals. Anyway, what's the so you, we covered the Al Pacino topic? Let's go, <laughs> Let's go, Pat McAfee. All right, Pat McAfee walking away Pat, from a Pat McAfee, Pat Pat McAfee yeah. walking away from a four-year, hundred and twenty million dollar deal he signed with FanDuel to go work for ESPN for what is. Less money for sure. It has not been disclosed the exact amount, but there was some rumblings that it was closer to about seventeen million a year, so about eighty-five million total. Which I think is a bit misleading, right? Because the deal he had with FanDuel was towards his company, so he was using that money, that hundred million, to pay all of his staff, the production costs. So it's not like he was taking a hundred million in salary. So probably when you work the math out, yeah, it's probably because now ESPN is going to do all the production side for him, right? So it's probably pretty. (laughs) It's probably pretty similar, yeah, in terms of what his take home, and and less responsibility and less time with having to do the other like behind the scenes things, for sure. And I got to be honest, I don't get the Pat McAfee interest. He can be okay at times. Like, I like the sort of laid back look at sports, but for the most part, I find it just to be jackass interviews of people and failing to get to good topics and him just being, you know, standing up with his wife beater on, being super enthusiastic about the person that he's speaking to. But I don't actually feel like he delivers much value in most of the stuff that he does. I think, I think he's more of a, politically correct barstool is what i look at him as and he was previously with barstool so yeah i mean I, to, this is what surprises me from espn and maybe the success of the of barstool is the reason why they're doing it but he does feel like a perfect barstool person in terms of that type of the what the but he's less controversial like. so i think that's he's a safer barstool option and i he think is. espn he, has realized that they are losing fans to Barstool. Maybe those aren't the fans you want to bring back. Who knows? But they're losing them. Yeah. And I also, as you know, I, th- I don't have too much respect for punters. So I know that's his, his whole brand. Punters is. the kicker, not punters the betters. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, or, or kickers for that matter. I won't, I won't. I have a little bit more respect for kickers than I have for punters. Punters, it's. I have more respect for a long snapper than I have for a punter in terms of the difficulty of their job. So, All right. Now the Harry Kane topic. This yeah. is like a rapid fire. 
there's been a lot of discussion on social media platforms as to whether Harry Kane scoring 30 for Spurs is more impressive than Holland breaking the Premier League goal record and, and standing now at 36. What do you think? Yeah, I think fundamentally him scoring 30 goals is, is more impressive than Holland scoring 36. I think given the dominance of their respective teams, the number of chances that they create, the larger role that he has to play in terms of dropping back and also helping to create the, the Tottenham's attacking phase of play, I think it's, yeah, I think it's certainly more impressive. Doesn't mean that I necessarily think he's a better player. I think he's a better all-round player, but because Holland's so young, the jury is kind of still out in terms of what he will yeah. look like as a truly finished product. But yeah, I think it's difficult to argue. I mean, and the other issue too is like when you look exactly what you're saying, I think when you look at the other side, if you go to, you know, assists, for instance, there are multiple Man City players in the top 10 in assists, kind of showing that Holland doesn't have to lead the offense, whereas there is no one in the top 10 for Spurs. And, you know, it's it's Kane or nothing for them. And you know how we love to bring XG into, into the debates. So Harry Kane's season-long XG, so his expected goals from the chances that he was... So for those unfamiliar with XG, sort of if you put the average player in the same positions that he was in with the same chances, how many goals would they have scored? And his season XG was 23.06, so he outperformed that by 6.94. Erling Holland's season XG was 32.76, so he only outperformed it by 3.24. So, and we put in at percentages even less. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it is so close there that it's hard to say that it's definitively one way or the other, but yeah. it certainly shows that maybe Harry Kane is slightly more reliable given a very good goal scoring opportunity. But, you know, we'll see. And next next season, depending on where he ends up, I suppose, will be the the big test. All right, Eddie. I want to bump this up and give you my weekly quiz. Only two players this year in the Premier League hit a double-double for the season. Ten goals, ten assists. Who are those two players? Well, I know one Saka. One is Saka. He had 14 goals, 11 assists. Oh, the second one. I'm trying to run through. Um, there are 23 players who scored over 10 goals. So if you can remember all 23. <laughs> so this. Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably name most of the players who scored 10 or more goals. The question is, so it's definitely not Holland. I would he say it's close. He had eight. He had eight assists. He was close. Okay. I would say it's almost certainly not Harry Kane, but he, he could have a chance of it being him. He only had three assists. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, Kane, or, Kane or bust. It's not Tony. It is not Tony. 
I would be surprised if it was Mo Salah. I'd be surprised if it was Marcus Rashford, but it could be. I don't think it's Martinelli. It could be Odegaard, conceivably. I'll go Odegaard. Odegaard, seven assists. Shit. It was actually Mo Salah. Oh, correct. I, I should have known because you had the period of silence after I said Salah, and I should have taken that <laughs> as evidence of the fact that I, I named him, but okay. Right. Any other sporting topics? We obviously have Ted Lasso to wrap up. Any other yeah. sporting topics you'd like to cover? I have no think? other sporting topics, but... I, talking actually okay. of Premier League records, I just throw throw one in there. As you love the love the random stats, although this one isn't that random. So this season was the Premier League season with the most sackings or firings ever. So 14 managers lost their jobs over the course of this season. And in now, two- wait, wait, wait. Does that count twice for, for Lampard? Uh, I guess technically no, because I suppose he didn't really lose his job this season, if you see what I mean. He saw the season out. but And then if you factor in uh, interim managers or caretakers, as people would typically say in, in the UK, 39 managers took charge of a Premier League game this season. So considering there are 20 teams, so approaching two per team on average. Wow. That's crazy. And if you have nothing else to bring up pre-Ted Lasso, that would allow me to transition pretty smoothly into the Ted Lasso topic. Well, you can transition to Ted Lasso, but I just wanted to say for me, this has been a rough 48 hours because I have seen three series finales of three shows that I quite enjoyed at least for some stretch of time uh with ted lasso now actually probably moving down to number three on that list but uh succession wrapped up on sunday night barry wrapped up on sunday night and then ted lasso wrapped up on tuesday night so three shows that i very very much enjoyed and would watch you know as soon as they came out basically almost every day um and it's 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 gonna be a tough time for me Television-wise, to, to get through. When you realize you're running out of shows, it is tough because finding new ones is not easy. Even if yeah. you're, even if you have a relationship, like we kind of both have it with Ted Lasso, where you're not necessarily loving the experience. I was a, still sad at the end. I was still, genuinely depressed when when it ended. I like wasn't. I was, I was sad because just, it made me think of how good it was and how yeah. much that first season just really made me happy and probably like one of the darkest points in in world history recently <laughs> oh, the pandemic you mean and stuff yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no it's true but all right let's go on to ted lasso i guess Succession. we kind of, okay no, we kind of have two Damn. episodes to catch up on but we don't maybe need to pay too much attention to the penultimate i just have episode. one single comment from the the penultimate episode so do i and we can see if it's actually i have two actually i have three so go ahead with your one. <laughs> okay. My one is they really drove home how much of a genius Nathan Shelley is by showing that is he the only one that thinks about putting nuts down 
at a dining table so people will order more drinks? Is he the only one thinking about these things? Kind no, of an asshole. People have been thinking about this since bars were invented in the 1400s when they put out salty snacks, you idiot. <laughs> also, probably not something you'd normally associate with your experience at a Greek restaurant. Olives, which you can argue might achieve the same thing. Yeah. Yes, but I don't expect to sit down for a Greek meal and be served some nuts beforehand. But yeah. okay, I've got three other. I'll do rapid fire in okay. episode comments. One. Ted Lasso's mother comes to stay. He gives up his bed and sleeps on the sofa so that she can sleep in his main bed, in, well, in his bed, seemingly the only bed in his house. I commented on the previously on the podcast how it's weird that a Premier League manager doesn't have a nicer slash bigger apartment, but let's leave that out. However, his son has stayed with him multiple times. What is this? And we've watched him read his son a bedtime story where is that bedroom? <laughs> That's a great question. Maybe he's sleeping in Ted's bed. Point number two. The weird, I don't think they made a big enough deal in a sense of, of uh, going back to find Jamie Tart, going back to see his mother, who in the three years that he's been playing for AFC Richmond has never turned up. He's never made any mention of her in spite of this incredibly close relationship that they have. And then also the ages barely add up that then when they then go into his childhood bedroom, he has a, a poster of Roy Kent and a poster of Keely Jones. And it makes for a very awkward, I, we Googled the supposed ages of all those characters and it kind of barely lines up in terms of an age at which it would be uncomfortable for him to have be putting kind of certain types of posters up on his wall. That's comment number two. And the final comment, speaking of managers, Pep Guardiola with his cameo in the TV show, A, doesn't have an acting career coming anytime soon. He is pushing Ted Lasso's son close for worst acting performance in the series. B, they then had Ted Lasso and Coach Beard kind of losing their minds over the interaction between the two of them. So either they're implying in the Ted Lasso universe, Pep Cardiola has only recently become Manchester City manager, or... Because they, they, we know definitively, well, besides the fact that we know definitively they play them because they play them twice in a season, we know definitively they played them because we've seen them on screen play City. Yes, so they, have, they will have played them a minimum of five times in Ted Lasso's time. At well, AFC they were Richmond. demoted. Relegated. Oh, you're right. You're right. Actually, you're right. Because two in the Premier, two in the Premier, oh, and then at least one. You'll just have triggered some people. But, but so yeah, they, they played twice the first season, once in the FA Cup in the second season, and then this would have been the second meeting. And that's without ruling out any cup matches that we didn't see take place or any weird friendlies that they seem to arrange and any, you know, multiple times. So yeah, they, that, that's, uh, that was weird. Anyway, that's my wrap up of the penultimate episode and we can move on to the the series finale. Yeah. Um, tough. Can I, can I start with a positive? <laughs> 
Uh, go ahead. So I will say, so I guess we have to say spoiler alert for anyone who's not yet watched it. We are about to ruin a, a number of major storylines, I suppose. And I'm going to start right off the bat. I am happy that they did not win the league. If that had all ended with them winning the Premier League, I would have just felt as if this was all almost kind of pointless. And it was just, oh yeah, and in the end, the storybook, perfect storybook ending for virtually everything. I, I couldn't have been able, I wouldn't have been able to take yeah. it. So I will say, I think one of the main problems with Ted Lasso, at least in this last season, that has really bothered me is the lack of them showing important or significant parts of the series to then have you kind of be like fake lulled into something else potentially have happened or this and that. So for instance, one of the main ones being like when I start this episode with Ted sleeping at Rebecca's place to kind of give you like just it's that's a really cheap move for a TV show that in season one, again, like we keep bringing back season one, it was such a genuine show in season one. And to make like a trick move like this is is low. But then also they do so many times where important things are happening and they don't show it. So another one for me was after Richmond wins, the announcer goes, now let's go to the Etihad and see the final of the city match. And it would have been really interesting to see them all watching the end and seeing city win and having them not win the league and see how they reacted and see how Ted reacted with the players and how he maybe kept them positive and didn't get them down. Like that's an important scene that would have been nice to show, but they don't, they just skip over it. And then three months later he picks up a new, or what, oh, I guess a week later he picks up a newspaper that says like three, Richmond three days based on the timeline. Okay. Three days, Richmond gets second and you know, like that's Which would be weird three days later. That it's a newspaper headline. If you think about yeah. it, <laughs> that they're like, we're still talking about this. Richmond had finished second. Breaking Three news days later. <laughs> but I, I, I really dislike that they did that, and they did that a lot this season, and I really didn't enjoy that. Um, okay, let's see. You picked out a positive. So let me pick out a positive. I loved. I don't know if you got it. Great reference to the office joke. When they call Nathan, he says he's the assistant kit man. And Nathan says assistant to the kit man. I don't like that. I, I don't like that at all. Because that to me is, that's just a cheap way of pleasing someone like you who loves yeah, right. the office and likes <laughs> the office. That to me sums up the quality of the writing on this, which is. No, 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 couldn't... no. That doesn't sum up the quality of the writing. <laughs> the scene with the mother sums up how bad the writing is on that show. You say potatoes. You say potatoes. Oh, yeah, I say wow, potatoes, yeah. great fucking joke. <laughs> but no, to me, it's the no. Fact that's that the what she said, though. But the quality, like, to me, the, but the quality of the writing is shown in that because it's not even there's nothing creative in let's do a little reference to something people liked and it will please some people. And everyone will feel as if they're the only person. Did you get it? Like you said, like oh, I got the reference. If that had been. For example, if that had been, if The Office had been an Apple TV show, that would have bothered me less. If some of the cast of The Office were appearing in 
uh, Ted Lasso, that would have bothered me less. Like, for example, had Nate been played by Rain well, Wilson. She's not, not fucking Steve Carell. <laughs> no, but had Nate been played by Rain Wilson, then I would have been like, oh, okay, that's like a funny reference to this person's most famous role. I can take that. But just, why don't they just name, why they could have just had an episode of being like, oh, and then Ted Lasso walked out and he went, I'll be back. <laughs> another reference. And then this guy walks out and we have like another funny line from a popular comedy series. It's just so unoriginal. I thought that was a nice tip of the cap. But you like stuff like that. I I don't. Yeah, you don't like nostalgia. You don't like looking back at good times. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll try and find another positive then. Um, hmm. It's getting tough now. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think we've, I think we've drained the well of the positivity. Um, um, can I, okay. okay. Can I, can I, can I Go say ahead. a positive and it will be lead directly into a negative. I liked the past, the, the final two episodes focusing more on the actual football team and getting you into what was going on in the pitch and that actually what they were doing as a team was significant. The negative to that for me is I had zero investment in any of it because I'd spent an entire season not telling us really about it apart from, and Richmond have won eight in a row. Richmond have lost seven in a row. Richmond have done this, have done that. So, and showing us the quick montage of something happened. So that to me was a sad reminder again of how good the first season was of showing you characters, but also having the team itself be a central figure. And then now they were kind of trying to go back to that, but that ship had sailed. I didn't have any interest in it anymore. I didn't care whether they won the league or not. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I was going to say positives. They focused less on Keely <laughs> and her, like, and I'll leave that into a negative. And all of these characters supposedly had arcs and developments i don't see many in many of them like honestly at that end scene when um uh rebecca and ted hugged each other in in the airport and they both said like thank you no thank you i don't really know what ted is thanking her for because how did he progress he separated oh. from his wife oh i can give you what you would thank him for she hired him for a job that he was totally unqualified for, albeit for reasons, ulterior motives that do not come across very well. But still, okay. she gave him, a, when we have to assume, a fairly well-paid job that he had absolutely no right to hold. And then had several instances where she probably should have fired him, but didn't do, do so. And also, he barely improved his understanding of anything to do with the sport. I mean, okay, we were supposed to appreciate that in the, in the final in the final match, he had learned what the offside law was, and that somehow he was noticing a player being offside that no one else had managed to track. Fine, but then at the same time, we had to go through the stupid Ted Lasso joke of like, so we're going to be in the Champions League, but <laughs> last year we were in the Championship. It's like, okay, we get it. At what point are you actually kind of appreciating the sport or just making the dumb jokes that people would make making fun yeah. of the sport? Yeah. Yeah, like the the flip side of it that I thought was okay was when he said, I came here 
wanting to learn one thing about soccer or not knowing one, not knowing one thing about soccer. And I left knowing one thing about football. Like that's an okay joke. I, that that's fine. That's just him being him and like him being an idiot, not him mocking the European football system for the nth time. Like that was fine. That was an okay joke. But what I mean is, you know, Rebecca's thanking him because, you know, when she took over the team, she was clearly distraught about her divorce, was still clinging on to Rupert, wanted to punish Rupert by getting the team, and seemingly throughout these three seasons now has fully gotten over it, doesn't really care about Rupert. If anything, actually felt sorry for him at the end, you know, completely changed her attitude, is now an independent woman again is going to go out and now hook up with this weird Dutch guy again that randomly met in the streets in an airport. That's fine. But I don't get what progression Ted made. He didn't correct his, his panic attacks. We never saw him actually resolve them. He didn't really learn anything from this trip, except if you're separated from your wife, don't give up. I, I don't, I don't, I don't you're, see any progression. You're overly in, harsh in on the Ted Lasso. It's very unfrank of you, I actually have to say, because I think he still progressed. He learned the things that were important to him, which is ultimately his family, that he had to be in the same place. That but he, he always get. knew that. That's, wasn't that why he was so, so heartbroken that they became separated? Season one, he wasn't really, though, was he? That was a season two development. Season one, he was separated, but hoped they would still work things out. And... If you think about it, would season here, if you want to go character development, would season three Ted Lasso have left his family when his relationship with his wife was kind of on the rocks to move to another country for a job? And I think the answer is absolutely no. So the, th the decision he made to start the whole television series, television series, he would not make at the end of the series. Maybe, but I think he was partially forced to take that job by his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I feel like we're, we're going, this This feels like a weird flashback to me being in high school English and kind of analyzing a piece of text. Uh, so there's there's those moments where we're probably paying a little bit too much attention to parts of a stupid TV show that we don't need to be paying attention to. Sure. But yeah, I think there's, I, I think you're right in that Ted Lasso and Coach Beard had some of the least character development over the course of the show. Yeah. But then they were supposed to be in a sense, like the, the problem you have is season one, Ted Lasso and season one, coach beard were actually fairly intact characters. Then they destroyed them both <laughs> in different ways over season two and season three. And then we just go back to Ted Lasso kind of being Ted Lasso at the end of being like, happy-go-lucky, knows what's important in life, going to go back to Kansas, coach his cardboard kids soccer team. <laughs> yeah. I, the only one who had least character development is Keely, who I don't know what she's learned from these three years, except just keep asking rich women for more money. <laughs> or eventually someone rich will just give you money. Yeah. And and also, without seemingly really doing any part of your job particularly well, people will still want you to keep doing that job for them. So, like, I get it. It's because, And also, why does everyone want to sleep with her? 
and I feel bad saying this. I mean, she's not exactly the most attractive human being in the world, you know, like for the level of interest. Yeah, but this is England. It oh, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. For the level of interest. And I, that feels because, you know, that shouldn't be the reason, only reason why someone's interested. But you get someone like Jamie Tart, who seemingly the only reason he wants her to go to Brazil with him at the end of the show is in the hopes of rekindling some relationship. Which I also say this kind of made me hate it because Jamie Tart had progressed so much. I know, and in in part of his progression to me had been the idea that he was genuinely friends with Keeley and with Roy Kent, and then right in the last minute, it goes back to like, no, but I want her too. Yeah, that made no sense. Yeah, I don't blame Jamie for that. I blame the writers for that. Oh, you don't blame the actor or the fictional no. character? <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, what coach is taking their player out for drinks? Seemingly, what, at, at most two days before the biggest match? I think it was three days before, yeah. I so they're know, just not, they're not training for two days leading up to a match? Look, none of that final week made any <laughs> sense. They were being given going away. That's the biggest plot hole here. So he, after their win against Manchester City, that so with a week to go in the Premier League season, one match remaining, Ted Lasso tells Rebecca that he's going to be leaving the club at the end of the season. They try and sell you on the idea that maybe he expressed his love for her or something with the way that the final so episode, like, which was so pointless especially because they didn't even commit to it for long enough to really properly trick mm -hmm. you. But. And then why do we need to see coach beard in a thong? I don't know. Cause you, he, cause he's that guy. Oh, it's really gross. I mean, he's, he's that guy. And we know one of those guys, he's that guy, <laughs> you know, he's that guy. But if, if that guy that we know slapped his bare ass on my kitchen Island, I'd slap him. But he, there is no universe in which, okay, he maybe tells her, but then they tell all the players before going into this season deciding match. He and says, the fans, no, because they're at and then the fans, practice. Because it's, yeah, all of their practices are just open practices now. Yeah. And none of those fans have jobs. Like the, the three. Well, they know. They seemingly have a ton of jobs because they're paying to buy the club now. Well, <laughs> Not those three guys. They only got one share. <laughs> and those three guys, the biggest diehard supporters, they'll attend open practices, never attend matches. They're just in the pub. <laughs> just in the pub watching every match. Never go to an actual match. And that, and that pub illegally streaming most of those matches. Because every AFC Richmond game is on television in that pub. That's true. And that's now we're getting into the nit nitty gritty of, <laughs> yeah. of English football. But anyway, so moving on from all that, the, the idea that they would tell everyone and that also none of the players had any, they didn't have, there was just, we're happy for you. They did the stupid sound of music uh, scene and none of the players expressed any, no, Ted Lasso, stay. Like, no, we can't do this without you. It was just have a great life. We're going to win the league. Have a great life. So I'll give you a positive and a negative about that scene. I did enjoy when Ted Lasso went, 
perfect. And they all just like erupted, like celebrating. I thought that was pretty funny. I kind of enjoyed that where like he's like looking around. They're just like running around screaming. But if that was what I was presented with, I'm largely unimpressed. I thought it was going to be way more like grandiose and and choreography and and singing. And it was they took a very well-known song and did like a little four second jig and ran give, off. Give them some credit in the space of anywhere from three to one day in which they knew that he was leaving. Yeah, but this is together. a fake Ed Lasso universe. I know. So but in real life, they have months in this show, in, but in, in real life, they would have put together a fully choreographed musical number, including solos and different dance moves. <laughs> it actually would be fairly impressive in that time. But yes, it, it was stupid. All right, then what? Where do we go next? So they just seemingly have forty-eight hours to just blow on the biggest match of their life. Like no I don't, preparation, it makes no sense. Even in the build-up to the day of the match itself, like Keeley's walking in, they're all kind of saying goodbye to each other yep. and stuff. Even though, like, oh, it's your last day. It's like. No, don't you have a, a whole match? And then there'll be some responsibilities. It's not as if he just full-time whistle goes, see you guys. AFC Richmond was fun. So so why can't Ted open up his gift of a snow globe before he gets on the plane? If someone know. told me that, if someone was like, no, no, don't open this up until you're on the plane. It's really special, really important. And I pulled out a snow globe, that thing will be through the fucking airplane window. <laughs> Speaking of monetary value of some stuff, though, the fines, which, okay, it's it's an it's a nice nod to that. There is a fine culture within. So that is true. You get fined for yeah. being late, for not putting stuff away. But it's usually on the board in real time. But, but you do, and they do have the idea that you can appeal. So there, there are the kind of, the captain will sit there and say, okay, do we want to waive this fine or not? And that money does go towards their end of season celebrations or their Christmas yeah. party or whatever. That's fine. The fact that they're getting fined 200 pounds, 100 pounds. These are guys who presumably must be earning minimum 20,000 pounds a week. Those fines would be in the thousands. And the fact that then Nate was fined 5,000 pounds for which... And he was just fine with it. I mean, it showed the money he must have been making as West Ham manager that they're, hey, your fine's going to be 5,000 pounds. And he just goes, okay, that's probably fair. I'll Let me get out my card and just pay the 5,000 pounds now, guys. Thanks very much. Yeah. And what a what a uh, a money laundering scheme this is that it's just going to go into what's-his-face's-own restaurant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now, good job, guys. Now we can have an open bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'd be pissed if I were on that team. I'd be like, "Fuck, we're we going to his restaurant again." We just got how many fuck you talk? Yeah, like how many times do I have to get the shits eating Nigerian food? <laughs> Every team event has to be at this fucking shitty Nigerian restaurant in Richmond. <laughs> Every every team event, I've got I've got to go through a roll of toilet paper the next day. <laughs> oh, I hope we get really lucky and he gives us a book of matches again. <laughs> Then I'll be wow, and and if we're really really lucky, 
there's construction work to do that we can do in between courses. And I, oh yeah, remember he hasn't fixed the the mirrors. Those are still smashed for a, 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 like aesthetic move and as a reminder that makes it even better. But yeah. I, I did like they had a joke directed right at our buddy Furlong with the uh, air conditioning is a privilege, not a right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not for some. Now, the sale of the club as a, as a quick topic to cover. So. Wait, real quick before you get into the logistics. Yeah. My side note here is that she goes insane when she finds out it's $2 billion. Is she not smart enough to realize that if she does 49%, it's still a fucking billion? <laughs> like at yeah, that no, point, she, what's the much, difference? You much? could get a billion and still own the comp and still own the club. <laughs> and also, she has no idea what the club is worth. She's running this club and has been running it for several years. During that time, other Premier League clubs, other championship clubs would have been sold. She will have had some sense of what the revenue coming in is, whatever profit or losses they're making. And she has no idea what the value of the club is. Like, what number was she expecting where the two billion blew her away? Was she expecting him to say, I don't know, maybe 50 million? Oh my God, two billion. So there's already that idea, which doesn't make a ton of sense. But also the idea that Richmond have secured Champions League football and in the past, in the week, in the sort of three three days since they secured Champions League football, offers have been flooding in to buy 49% stake in the club. In what world is this where it's just like, there's just rich people sitting around the world being like, oh my God, Richmond are going to be playing in the Champions League next season. I better get on the phone and, and ask if I can buy 49% of the club. Like, <laughs> without them putting out any feelers, indicating that they're maybe open to a sale, like... It's just weird. All of that aside, I'm glad that they actually valued the club at a somewhat realistic figure for a Premier League club, certainly one, and that it wasn't like Ted Lasso weird universe where either they wouldn't say how much it was worth or we had to pretend that none of these people are rich, which we kind of continuously have to do with them. The fact that she's able to sell 49% of that club to a fan consortium in the space of three days even in the crazy things that have happened to Ted Lasso, is insane. And not okay. a particularly big club, Let's, right? Let, let, give me the percentage, give me the amount of people that you think bought into the club. Let's say every fan, basically, let's just presume that the opportunity to buy a share comes up and every fan does that. Okay, so how many fans is that? Let's say Richmond has 50. Uh, let, let's be generous. At, off, on the back of a good season, they have 100,000 fans. Okay. That would mean each fan needs to spend $10,000 to buy a share. Right, which ain't happening. <laughs> but okay. Yes, there'll be some who buy one, and then there'll be some rich ones who buy... 100,000, 500,000, a million maybe. I mean, I, I just also don't understand the fan aspect. So how are they vetting? How are you, how are you proving 
you know, like going through that type of process of being like a fan bought thing, there would have to be some, it would be a long drawn out thing. Cause you wouldn't want the, you wouldn't want to run the risk that like Rupert just snaps up 49% of the club or, or yep. the, um, Ghanaian guy who wants to build a super league. Oh God. You know, like thank God he didn't make an appearance for the finale. That's a positive. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, that's that the speed with which all of those things happened is just ridiculously stupid, even by Ted Lasso standards. Eddie, how realistic is it that a Premier League manager would have extremely short shorts on with no underwear while managing a match? More realistic than that sale, but I didn't. The only reason they did that was so was his so ball that, could come out. Yeah. Like this was it. That was, let's put him in weirdly short shorts so that he can get pushed over and a testicle can come out. Yeah. That's it. it both, both came out because there's yeah, three balls, three on, balls the field. on the pitch. Yeah. It wasn't really worth the payoff. But even less realistic than that is the idea that the owner of the away team could just march his way onto the pitch assault the manager of his own team and then just march his way off. Yeah. Nothing happened. And then even more unrealistic is the fact that a penalty was hit so hard that it went through the fucking net. (laughs) Also as unrealistic, it went through the net, but no one saw it. I'll be honest with you. Even looking at the replays didn't look like it went through the net to me. (laughs) It really didn't. Like it, they made it look like it missed. And then even when they showed you, and they were supposed to be showing you how it went through like the roof of the net at a very weird angle, still didn't look like it went through the net. But, oh well. That whole thing, I like the handing of the ball off to take the penalty. At least they had it call and kind of wrap that up. Yeah. So but, wait, let, let me just wrap up. Um, the The captain of AFC Richmond has never taken a corner and never taken a penalty is in, in his entire football career. So the no penalty, it's believable. Uh, even it's believable when you're like because, a youth? Well, I think they mean professional career, right? So I don't think it's not like he wasn't as but stupid. But his as reaction the... was as if he's never, like he didn't even know where to put the ball. No, I don't think he was nervous. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. It wasn't as stupid as the corner thing where he's literally like, what do I do? Like that was, that was ridiculously stupid. This I can understand of being like, oh, he's never taken a penalty in a professional football match. It's believable. He's a central defender. He wouldn't be, unless they went to a penalty shootout, he's probably never taking a penalty. So I can kind of get it, but but yeah, but then he just hit it so hard. One of the guests we're trying to book on the podcast is Stephen Reed, the former Blackburn Republic of Ireland player. He holds the record for the fastest sort of strike of a ball in Premier League history. He scored a goal against Wigan where he hit the ball at over 117 miles an hour. That thing flew. That didn't that didn't burst the net. So if if the, <laughs> if the net could survive 117 miles an hour, I don't know how hard they're making it out that he hit it. But yeah, 
it was and it was a it was a final episode full of cameos right you had mike dean the guy who was the referee who was a, a former referee yeah. so there was that you had thierry Henry making his brief appearance you know again it felt a little unnecessary for a tv show that hadn't included those people as characters throughout the show why do you finally kind of well thierry Henry has been on it before because it was the one. same joke where i think it was either ted or beard said like shut up terry Henry." i think it was once though yeah once but like, the other thing, too, is there was also characters that they were bringing back from previous episodes or seasons that I didn't even know who they Higgins were. Is, like that Higgins' th- wife? Higgins' wife is one. We've met her once. What about that couple who was like the rude couple to Rebecca that the guy got knocked in the face with the ball and was bleeding? No, they went they on They were dates. in a previous episode. Oh, they no, went no, on she, dates. He, she yeah, she yeah, dated sorry. him briefly and then yeah, – yeah. So that one, at yeah. least, he he'd appeared. What about in a the few other? Episodes. What about the other guy who picked up the ticket in the beginning? Was that supposed to just be a joke that I just didn't understand the joke? He said, "If you have a ticket under the name," and he said some weird name. I think the name was supposed to be a joke. Maybe I didn't get it. That I might stupid. not have paid attention at that point. Yeah. It, um, how about if we just zoom out a little bit here and think about the fact that AFC Richmond. Won 17 matches in a row. (laughs) This is the team that has not one player added to their roster to start the season. As far as we're aware. I mean, we we look in the locker room. I know, but there's probably, you know, you don't. There was that redheaded guy. Where did he come from? There's probably people in the squad, but certainly in the the sort of first 11, no, there was no one added. So, yeah, that was. That was. yeah, it's an impressive achievement. However, Eddie, you were incorrect with your prediction. Nathan Shelley, not the manager of AFC Richmond. Not yet. Not yet. Got to wait till. Do you think there will be a spinoff? Yes. Unfortunately, I do. Will you watch it? I thought about this halfway through this episode. When I said, I guarantee there's going to be like the Brett Goldstein spinoff. And I thought about, I do like Roy Kent as a character. And I do love Ted Lasso as a show. But can I put myself through? If if like this is the bar they're setting is season three. Oof. I don't know if I want to hurt myself anymore. I was a little disappointed uh, when they showed the video to start the match instead of having a Ted Lasso speech. But then we eventually did get the second half Ted Lasso speech, so that was okay. I was okay with that. If they were going to go out the last match without a Ted Lasso speech, that would have been really annoying. But they did have that. Um, Like the callback to the believe sign, that was okay. Because that had been mentioned multiple times through multiple seasons. You know, that was like a running theme of the show. That is an okay callback to me. But some of the more random callbacks they had were just weird in that episode. So, looking quickly at the rumors of potential spinoffs, which one of these interests you the most? Oh and which one God. of these interests you the least? Okay. So, the potential candidates. So, Roy Kent, as you've mentioned. A Nathan Shelley spinoff. 
Oh, I'd rather burn my eyes out. A Jamie Tart spinoff. Yeah, that I'd watch. <laughs> a Rebecca Welton spinoff. Mm, no, I think her story's done. That was good. She had the most concluding story. Well, except now we're going to see her marry then. The, I have no interest in that. The Dutch pilot and adopt his child and fulfill yeah. the prediction that she would be a mother. The, see, now, here's again where they missed the chance. Why didn't when she stepped down to help that girl that like the matchbook fall out of her purse? This is just me off the oh, cuff you, you throwing wanted, that out. You wanted even you wanted even more reference to the to that because the whole thing wasn't it right that she was going to have a kid. She was going to have a kid with this uh, the green matchbook. Blah blah blah. Like, I did that like, would have been a little better writing than, than I did like that the kid nothing. fell over. I did enjoy that the, the it kind of took you out of the moment because I was like, oh, this stupid thing of her just watching a kid run towards her. The kid yeah. falling over was at least. Somewhat amusing. A Trent Krim spinoff? Oh, no. <laughs> Had enough of Trent Krim and his amusing t-shirts? Uh, how about... I like that this is how this is, decide, uh, this is, how this is described. How about a Sam Avicenna spinoff? Midfielder for a Richmond AFC and owner of a Nigerian restaurant. <laughs> I kind of I, that that sounds like a '90s sitcom, where like by day he's a professional athlete and by night he's like waiting tables. <laughs> it's not far off Cheers, right? It's close. I mean, it's it's not it's not too far off Cheers. Would I be more on board if coach beard bought that local pub and it was just coach beard running that pub Ugh. i probably i've had enough of coach beard but yeah come on one minor thing it was hard to just because it was it's hard to tell at certain moments how much of it was almost a dream sequence for ted lasso because he was kind of cut back to him on the plane whilst certain things it, it didn't follow I, a timeline like i don't i didn't quite understand was like oh was that him uh sort of imagining things or whatever, but I'm presuming everything we saw was really happening. Yeah. In which case, Coach Beard getting married. And Ted's and not Ted there. Lasso not attending. No. Is that remotely believable? No. I thought that was so stupid. Uh, and why do you need to show Beard getting married? That's the only half funny joke of that was... Uh, Danny Rojas having the two girls that was like only slightly funny and it but wasn't even that seems funny out of character there's, there's no been you know I mean he's not been made out to be this like womanizer yeah he didn't want to go to the sex show he wanted to go see the rose or the tulip yeah the single tulip yeah 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 um oh I had oh the, the, the other joke I thought was pretty funny was when the flight attendant's like, would you like to go to the hospital with your friend? And Ted's like, no, nah, I'm good. And she's like, man, what an asshole. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> but um, let's wrap it up, Eddie. You thought his son was a bad actor. But did you know he may be even worse at moving his body? <laughs> oh, I rewatched the scene when he yells dad and he and runs, runs out of the house. <laughs> I watched that scene literally, rewound it and watched it five times, just laughing 
and the body movements that he made. It was as if, it was as if what they told him to do was pretend, pretend, pretend you've been sitting on your leg for a long time and your legs got numb, but he confused leg with arm. And ran as if his arm had a dead arm and it was just flopping. He was he like al- leaning to his side. <laughs> he also, I mean, it was like something kind of out of Forrest Gump almost. But then on top of it, he, I feel so bad to make fun of the kid. There's then He then goes and hugs Ted Lasso. And then his mother calls back and he turns around to look at his mother. And it's the biggest <laughs> Dead eye robot stare. I encourage you to go back and just watch that little moment when he turns around to look, and you'd expect this kid, family coming back together, he'd be just happy and is like, "Oh, my mother." <laughs> what are the chances this kid becomes a famous actor? Oh, less than the chances that I become a famous actor. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's like send send us your reel. It's that, and like, ah, we're good. <laughs> His best acting, in a way, was actually during the the football soccer scenes at the very end. Although, even when he missed the goal, there was just this weird, like, silent, like, how did I miss that? It was, like, very weird, like, as if everything else had stopped around him. Speaking of that family dynamic, though, the former marriage counselor slash new boyfriend. I get it that they then wanted to make him seem like a dick. How big of a dick would you have to be to have your, like, I could maybe get that he's a little bit uncomfortable with the situation that his current wife's ex, uh, current girlfriend's ex-husband is like managing the team and you're tuning in, but then don't be there for the match would be my move. No, see, this is, you're wrong, Eddie. But He's openly this. forced to watch his current girlfriend cheer excitingly and be super nervous for her ex-husband. No, fuck that, dude. But Either it was you're also with the... me or you're with this douche with a mustache. <laughs> but it's also this it's also the the father of her kid who and the kids really into it. Hey, you know it. what? I don't want to be that kid's <laughs> father anyway. <laughs> no, that's true. He'd be a deal breaker. This guy dodged a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) But that guy was, they made him into such. Yeah. Again, completely out of character with everything else we'd previously seen. Made him into such a massive dick that he sat down and be like, they're they're highly anticipating the match. And he sits down and he's like, everybody excited to watch a game where nothing happens. And, and then in the last five, he's sitting at like what looks like a bar. Yeah, he's like past. shifted away as more things. And in actual fact, a pretty event-packed match. Like you couldn't complain it was a dull match. 3-2 yeah. with a last-minute winner. Lots of goals. Lots of. I mean, Richmond had a sequence of about 90 seconds where they seemingly hit the crossbar four times. I now, was just, that all one sequence? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. I don't think it was because it was like the 49th minute and then Jamie Tart scored in the 51st okay. or something. So it seemed like it wasn't, but it, it was just like, oh, crossbar, crossbar. What was really great was he was like on his phone in the back. And if you look in the mirror reflection, he's on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just watching one of Coach Beer's videos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, well, what a way to end. <laughs> what a way, wait, wait. The um, wrapping up, oh, the wrapping up of all the stories. Did we need to see the therapist make her way back? Was that necessary? No. And why is she in a Dallas Cowboys shirt? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I didn't know why she had to return again, unless it's setting it up. The only thing I could think of is in their mind, they're like, "Let's make sure everyone features in case we do a spinoff. Let's bring final final episode." We get Higgins' wife back in in case this is a Higgins spinoff. We make sure we bring that therapist back in in case it's like a sports psychology spinoff. The Higgins spinoff. That's the after night spinoff. Just <laughs> him and his wife watching his mother eat ass. <laughs> oh. And Nathan had a great line when he was like, I think people can definitely change. It's like, yeah, of course you do, Nathan. You've heel turned five times in one yeah. season. That was the elephant in the room in that bit, which they no one was really addressing. You'd think someone would have said, yeah, yeah we agree. But it was no, it's just like, no, I think, I think so. The, what else? Oh, and and I, the Rupert part to me as well was kind of strange for, again, for a show that, was so upbeat and so positive and didn't want to have anything be negative to have one of the characters end the show by walking onto a pitch, physically assaulting his employee after being accused of sexual misconducts and then being called a wanker as he's forced off the field. That's a rough go. I get it. He's not a nice guy, but this is a show that on the whole has tried to find the positive light in people. <laughs> but it was also strange because then there was a sense of weird sympathy towards him. In terms, I of thought she was going to sell him half the club. Oh, that would have been... Once they brought the sexual misconduct element in, and let's be real here, the, the sexual, as far as we can tell, the sexual misconduct he's having is having an affair with his secretary. Like that's... Or assistant, I suppose. I should... That's... As far as we can tell, that's kind of what the scandal that he is being sort of hit by. That could be bad for sure, but you're not going to be forced to sell your football club because you had an affair with your assistant. Like no one's going to be like, you got to sell West Ham. We're really sorry. Like the government is stepping in on this one. Like it's you and Abramovich. You two are being forced to sell these clubs because every other owner of a Premier League football club is an absolutely upstanding citizen and they have never done anything wrong so there's we got to get rid of you yeah I, that is weird and we just talked about al pacino dating a 29 year old <laughs> yeah but no it was um it was all right again it, it, it made me mostly just think what could have been in that if they just follow the team more closely and not weighed us down with so many subplots that actually the, sh the final season could have been great. And instead yeah, of just like, and I have to, at the end of the day, I mean, I 100% have to agree with Rebecca. 
why can't his wife and kid just come there? He's got a sign right now. He's coaching youth soccer as opposed to being on coaching a champions league club in a place now that everyone loves him. Oh, and so, and she was going to make him one of the highest paid managers in the world. Yeah. Which only if she sold part of the club, this was the other bit that I, she was like, Oh, we can only do these things if we sell part of the club as if, she was going to sell the club and she was going to personally reinvest that money into the club. It doesn't really make any sense. Like again, there's the financial fair play rules and stuff. Like they were about to get champions league football and have a huge windfall in terms of their finances. They don't need additional funding to just, especially if this club has about seven employees and 12 (laughs) players. Like, and one poor greyhound dog that has to wear a helmet. Yeah, they really. <laughs> Even they he really, got a cameo in the finale. Yeah, just in case he's the spinoff. <laughs> yeah, I I don't get why they don't just come there. Oh, the wife's a bitch. Like this is the only explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, this is the only explanation you have. You're you're living Kansas. Like let's also factor that in. And I don't I mean don't mean that as like an insult to Kansas. No, but, you can fully mean it as an insult to Kansas. But it's not as if they live in it's not like she's living in some hugely desirable like location the hills. where she's like <laughs> she's I She's not living I, in Malibu Beach. Yeah, she's like, I can't get this kind of quality of life anywhere else. Yeah. Like so we uh, they've probably mentioned what her job is, but she's a teacher. Oh, yeah, she said it. She said she could be. She'd come here and be a teacher, and she'd be the department head or something. Yeah. So there's absolutely no reason. The kid loves football. Loves it. The kid would fully be on board. But yeah, just won't do it. She's just like, nope. Come be. Come be here and be miserable. Lose your best friend. Lose an incredible job. Yep. Lose all these incredible jobs lose all of these incredibly important friendships you've made over the past three years of your life that have helped you to get through one of the most challenging, aside from your dad dying as a kid, probably the most challenging period of your life. When when I ditched you and dumped yeah. you for the therapist. Fuck them all and come back to Kansas. And trust me, I won't. Let's go to a different marriage counselor. And then, we'll By the way, there. I found this 28-year-old, very handsome marriage counselor we should start seeing now. Yeah. No, no, now I've got a personal trainer and that guy is hot. <laughs> personal trainer. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah she sucks. So she- and and the, the, the sad thing about that is they could have come up with a better reason for like why he needed to be home. Yeah. Which they kind of dealt with at different moments in time. At least maybe- give me like a... Uh, like her parent, like her mother is sick and she has to care for her or something like oh. at least something. You know where they could have done it. They could have done it when his mother visited. They could have thrown in the like, she was sick. Who's sick? Ted Lasso's mother. Oh, the one he told the fuck off? <laughs> Multiple times. No, he said, fuck you. Oh, fuck you. So now should we talk about succession? Fuck that show. <laughs> I've had I'm so glad succession is done so that I'm not. It's so sad. Like I'm just, when you don't so that and I'm sure there's plenty of people who've listened to this podcast and who don't watch Ted Lasso who are probably now happy that Ted Lasso is done so that we don't have 
40 minutes of Ted Lasso talk, but almost every podcast I listen to has at least some, and this is the problem that bothers me. I can deal with one. I actually, as I've said before, I quite like sometimes listening to discussions about TV shows I don't watch. But when every, basically every podcast I listen to has to talk about the latest, I know Monday, Tuesday, every single one of them will be like the latest episode of Succession. Can you believe that Greg did this? So fucking good, Eddie. (laughs) And that's a show that nailed their last season and nailed the finale. And they've got great people in it. They've got the one guy who's, who's off sexually assaulting girls in New York or whatever. The actual actor. What? Oh, you've not seen this scandal about the one the one actor? I think it's the guy who plays Greg. He's like getting into all sorts of The bar of owner? Nicholas Braun? Yeah. yeah. That he's been like taking advantage of young drunk girls and... Well, I mean, he owns a bar that they line up out the door to go into. Oh, so you have to touch them. <laughs> They're... <laughs> They're literally paying to get in for that. If you wait, if you wait in line for an hour, that's basically a consent form. <laughs> they sign a form to go in. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'll, I'll figure out a I'll transition way back to Vasilis was telling me uh, around his birthday he went to a bar that actually neither of us go to in Paris. And when he was there, he was speaking to uh, he was like talking to some girls, and one of them was like, "Oh, it's your birthday." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Do you want to do a Texas shot?" He's like, I don't know what a Texas shot is. And she was like, oh, I take the shot glass and I put it in between my boobs and you do the shot out of out of my cleavage, which I've never heard that referred to as a Texas That's shot. A Texas but what, shot, no. Whatever. And so then he goes to do it and the bar around him, according to Vasilis, uproar, where they're like, dude, she's fucking 19 years old. What the fuck are you doing? You creep. You're like in your 30s. This girl's like 19... 19- <laughs> This girl's like 19 years old. What on earth are you doing? You fucking, you creep. And then he snapped and was like, well, you're all fucking judging me. All of you, all of you behind the bar, you all do cocaine and have drug problems. <laughs> oh, well, you customers, what? I, it wasn't even my idea. She asked me to do it. What are you getting on me for? And then just said, see ya, left and we'll never go back. Is this a fancy cocktail bar? No, it's the fucking Highlander. Oh. (laughs) I wish this had gone down at a fancy cocktail bar. That would have been even better. Well, because I saw he always goes to that bar where they make like the fancy drinks. Yeah. I thought that's what it was. No, no, no. Because you said a bar we we never go to. Yeah. um, I've been to the Highlander. We've been. We've we've been to the Highlander. It's not on our list of places we go to. No, it's not. But and now Vasilis won't go supposedly. But a little bit like your Uber story, he was telling this to me, <laughs> and I think he fully expected me to be on his side. And I was like, "Well, Vass, we are getting a little older, so maybe the nineteen-year-old girls need to be cut out of the body shot routine." Like I know it's a. <laughs> It's a hard one to see go. It's like watching Succession end. It's it's tough to accept that that time has passed you by when it comes to the Texas shots. But maybe his only defense was she didn't look nineteen. It's not Fair defense enough. you. It's not defense you want. <laughs> she lo- trust me, trust me, officer. She looked older. She didn't tell me her age. <laughs> I presume she was seventeen. Oh boy.
All right. Well, with one last Vasilis story, I think we call it a wrap. Talk to you later. See you. Cheerio.